So welcome to Humus and Tech, helping Olim navigate the Israeli high-tech industry. We are Maggie and Kevin, and we have the pleasure to have with us today, Jonathan Kahn. Hi, Hi Jonathan. Me. Hey, Hi. what's up? It's all good. Yeah. How are you? Very good. Well, for... Well, we want to know, first of all, where are you from? Because uh, that's something that's very important for us um, in Houston, Texas. So if you want to start telling us your story okay. of where are you from, so here we then go. So, we're here to listen. Uh, my parents are American and Yemenite Israeli. I know you can't see it, but there's some Yemenite in there. From here, you don't see in the frame, but from here <laughs> down, brown. Um, And uh, when I was born in Israel in Hadassah and Karm, and then my parents moved to Brooklyn when I was four months old. Uh, and then I lived in Brooklyn until I was 12, then came back to Israel and has have been here ever since. So it's like, I kind of get the, where are you from? And I'm like, my mom. <laughs> Best answer I can give, right? Saves me a whole story. Uh, but yeah. everyone just assumes I'm American. Yeah, you have a really good English, at least compared That's to amazing. me. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I again, I was raised in New York, so it makes sense that I would be able to speak English fluently. I think my Hebrew has more of a um, English accent, and that's why I mostly speak English. <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, well, that's good. Um, and I actually had the pleasure to work with uh, Jonathan. So I have so many questions because I know that you're a great professional, and we're very thankful that you accepted to no, be I'm with super us excited. Uh, today. Yeah. Um, so tell us, what are you doing now? Wow. Should I tell you what I've done before or should I tell you just jump right into what I do now? Because I'll tell you the thing um, is, is, the problem is, is trying to explain what I do. There's no title for what I do. And you can see that from even the time when we used to work together. Okay. I, uh, we used to work at Wix together. And at Wix, uh, I had a made up title. It was uh, Marketing Hacker, which is completely made up. Uh, my position was made up, my title was made up, and what I did, I think most of the people in the company generally thought, what the hell does that guy get paid for? <laughs> um, but, uh, but my job was... But we all loved yeah, it. Yeah, no, it was cool. I, again, I, I love everyone that was there and everything. Uh, now it's weird. Now you go back and there's hardly any of the people that we knew back then. But, um, but generally mm -hmm. speaking, when I asked them, uh, what is my job definition, because I didn't want to be stuck without a job definition, they said... Well, let's put it like this. If we want to make a YouTube channel, we'll take a couple of guys and we'll say, make a YouTube channel. And then we'll tell them, okay, now do something creative on that channel to bring in people or whatever YouTube does, right? That's what they would have said. And then when all that doesn't work, we bring you in. That was my definition of my job. And I think on my first day, I was I was taken from room to room to say, hi, I'm the new employee. I don't know if you remember that, like that experience. But I'm very good at that experience. And then someone said, uh, what do you do? What's going to be your job? And I told them what I do. And they said, what does that mean? And I told them exactly what they told me. And I got in so much trouble on my first day because someone complained and said, what? We're not creative enough? Uh, anyways, but um, what I do today is I, I basically took that same thing and I built it out. Uh, I continuously uh, kept thinking differently, kept doing things differently, kept... Uh, going to companies and giving them new perspectives on their issues, their problems, uh, whatever it is, and marketing, growth, product. Um, and that's what I do today. So there's no real definition to what I do. I think I, the last title I made up was called uh, Creative Strategic Consultant. That's yeah, it's nice. Title. 
like, let's say creative strategists work in companies and they exist and they do something, which I do, but I don't exist in a company because I believe it kind of um, destroys your free will kind of thing, your freedom, your, your, your aspect of being able to look at things the way you want to look at it and not the way the company wants you to look at it. Um, so I don't work in a company, so it's a consultant. So it's like that, that, and consultant. Um, and I work with companies, uh, from Facebook, Move It, Mobileye, Lucia, um, uh, Never Think, uh, wait, look, there's like a million more. I worked with some crazy new startups like Biomilk and Meat Tech. Um, again, and I've never done any marketing. None. I, I now in the mix of making a website, but throughout the whole time, it's always been just people who have met me who, who felt like, okay, we want to, we, we would like to refer you to someone else. Um, nice. So nice. I've been doing that now, I think about five, five or six years, I think. Something like that. It's hard to remember how long it's been since we worked together. What would be the one thing that you see when you come into um, one of these companies and you see like how, everyone's working until that point. What's the one mistake that you see or the, the, the one thing that you always say, hey, let's change that? Um, so that's a little bit of a difficult question, but I'll try to answer it. So I think that the first thing that you find when I come into companies, like let's just say, usually I'm, I'm brought in for a specific issue that they have. They come and they say, something's not working. And we want to do X, right, to fix it. And they'll say, X, Jonathan, come help us with X. And then I'll say, okay, so I actually did a video about this on YouTube. I don't know if you get to see that one. But it was uh, about uh, the five times Y, right? Where if you ask someone, this was basically done by one of the founders of Toyota, came up with this whole uh, technique that you ask someone five times Y, you'll get to the core of why they want to do something. And I I did that in a very natural way. I never heard about it. And I, I just asked five times why and saw that I usually get to the core um, until I, until my brother told me, you know, it's a technique and whatever, and I read about it. But uh, you'll find that majority of the time, uh, companies have a solution in mind, which doesn't match the actual problem. Um, and that's that happens, I would say, 98% of the time, giving enough room for just 2%, but just 98% of the time, uh, you walk into a position, a place, and they have a solution already cooked up and ready before. It, and then when you look at it, there's no, there's no connection between the solution and and what's actually uh, the problem. That would be the number one. And then I think that if I had to talk about companies as a company, the problem that I see is that um, uh, I think, and I would say this is about seventy percent of the time, uh, people don't listen to their employees. People don't listen to their employees. Uh, many, many, many times I come into meetings and I say, guys, I want to be honest. You guys have the answer. All I'm going to do is going to ask the questions and help frame your opinions in front of the, the CEOs, the C-level management people so that they can understand it. But a lot of the time, you've been here. You know the answer. It's just that either you're too afraid because you're afraid of losing your position or you really want that raise, or the CEO is not a good manager, or or the managers are not good managers. And you get to a point where you don't get to voice your opinion. 
And that's also one of the reasons I very much enjoy working like I do now, where I don't work in a company. I'm not afraid that I'm going to lose my paycheck or that if I say something, my boss will yell at me. I actually, the funniest thing is that I realized how weird is it now thinking about the fact that your boss would yell at you? Who, who in their right mind now, like when I'm out of a company, I'm thinking like, if someone, another individual human being who has a job, he's just like me, he's trapped in the same thing of having a job, he has the right to yell at me as if I'm his slave, child, like, what is this? So this, this whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. The way that it should be working is everyone working together to do incredible things. And I think that you'll also notice that a lot of companies are about uh, creating uh, entrepreneurs and not about, uh, you know, micromanaging at least in their beliefs. That's great. Yeah. And Jonathan, you also worked in many companies uh, that had a lot of Olim sure. in there, such as your experience in Wix. Um, so since our audience were mostly composed, it's mostly composed by Olim, I wanted to hear your opinion on how it was it for you to work with people that were not from here. Uh, what do you suggest to them to make their workplace a better one? And uh, What kind of like, pieces of advice you have for them to feel more at home here? So I think that somewhere in my mentality, what I was raised in as a child, uh, my dad is a very professional, very um, like well-off uh, businessman. And because of that, as a child, I would, I would hear him talking on the phone and how much he demanded from other people and how much he sounded like he deserved more than what they were giving. And I would talk the same way. When I was a little kid, if I had a problem with my phone, I'd call the phone company. I'd be like, you know, I'm going to get my lawyers on this. And da, 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 da. like, I'd literally get whatever I wanted just from talking at that level. And what I noticed, and, and this is also, by the way, this is slightly connected, but I recently downloaded the new uh, social media app of, of the month, uh, Clubhouse, right? Have you tried that one? I got an invite. I'm still uh, waiting to download it. You got an invite? That's considered gold. <laughs> uh, anyway, so if someone gave up an invite for you and you didn't sign up, you're literally spitting in their face. Oh, um, well, I'm, I'm going so to make I sure. I went to... on a group. I wanted to try it out. <laughs> yeah, seriously, and write them a thank you and send them chocolates. What's wrong with you? Um, so I I went into a group uh, just to try it out because again I love to try new things and see here new things. And I happened to get into a group about uh, third. What is it called? third something child it's like people who were born in one country raised by different like when you have many different uh like moves in your life and you're living in a completely different country and a different culture and you how do you deal with it and i the whole time i listened to people's stories which were phenomenal by the way it was very it was a very emotional experience because it's not like it's not it's not exactly the same as the other social media i don't know if this one's going to disappear or not but it was very emotional um As I listen to the stories, it's the same answer of what I, I feel towards what you just said. Um, I don't uh, I don't let people make me feel like I'm less because I'm from a different country. Uh, I don't uh, associate myself in some way with America or Israel. I consider myself an individual. I don't really care when they think I'm from. Um, the The funny thing is that most of the time I go into meetings. And I don't say anything and people think that everything I'm saying in, is in dollars. So sometimes that makes me more money than usual. Uh, when I when I look at other, um, when I, yeah, imagine you come into a meeting and you're like, $35,000, like, dollars? And you're like, maybe. 
Um, so, so I, I think that I don't let people make me feel like I'm not part of it. And as you know me, also as an individual, I'm I'm very uh, likable. I, I jump in. I, I jump in full hard, like jump into everything and everyone. I don't waste time. I don't have that building a wall or anything like that. I'm not afraid. So what? Someone tells me, why don't you speak Hebrew? Uh, because I don't like how I sound in Hebrew. That's it. That's all. And also, by the way, if you really research, you find out that Hebrew has less words than English. And what does that mean? What does that actually translate to? It actually translates to the fact that Israelis are um, short-tempered because they have a lot of emotions that they can't express because they don't have the right words to do so. Isn't that interesting? There's interesting. actually a full research based much. on this thing about the fact that they don't have enough words to express what they're feeling, so they end up looking very tense and annoyed and pissed and stressed all the time because they can't express themselves. Forget the fact that the average Israeli man is not meant to express his emotions, uh, but he doesn't even have the words to do so. So I think that um, I think that you you kind of kind of if I, if I'm talking about other people, for me again, it was very uh, it didn't really make a difference to me. I was very cool with being. I don't care. It doesn't mm-hmm. make a difference. But for other people, the more people kind of fight it, um, or the more you go to a new country and you don't accept that this is the culture and this is stuff, and you kind of like fight it. One, you look horrible to the rest of the people there. They all look at you and go like, uh, why are they like, oh, look at this one coming and deciding that, oh, our ways are not good enough for her, you know, or that that's not going to help. Um, and also it just doesn't help you. Just get into it. Cut a line. Push someone in the supermarket. <laughs> uh, go to Tif Tom and order bacon and have someone yell at you for no reason. Do the Israeli thing. Um, yeah, be one. Don't waste time. Nice one. Okay. Oh, oh. Great advice. On the other side, you also have your own podcast with, uh, I know, like 100 episodes on, or even more. So um, I think we kind of phased out. I think we're at the point where we're stopping. We stopped with our podcast, to be honest. Um, mostly because my my co-host is going and doing other things. And, um, and also, I've always had like a, a middle ground between where the podcast is and what I really want to do. I mean, I love marketing. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love hearing about the techniques and the stuff. But for me, it's always the the frame of mind that makes the difference, not the tool. Because the tool always changes. It's baloney. Mm-hmm. You know, turning around and saying, oh, I'm going to learn. Right now, I want to know the tips and tricks for Facebook right this second. Great. In two weeks from now, the tips and tricks are going to be meaningless. Right? And if they're basic enough that they aren't meaningless, then you can find them online already. No, I was just going to say, there are incredible interviews um, with people who I think were really just gave in, insanely good advice. I, I don't know if you've ever had the project of having to make redoing the, the homepage of your website for your company. I've actually had that project once in my life. It is one of the hardest projects to do. Um, everyone has a stake and has an opinion. It's a crazy, crazy process. C-level uh, people come up to me and go, that doesn't disappear, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I want my job. Yeah, it stays forever. You know, like that's, it's not how you're supposed to make decisions. And we had this incredible uh, interview with uh, Yoav Viner, if I remember correctly, uh, where he was, he's the, he was in charge of growth at Yotpo. I don't know what he's doing right now, but, um, and he, he really blew my mind uh, with the, the strategy in which how to deal with this office politics, how to deal with the, 
how, how people are so scared of ownership that if you just say to them, I like your idea, let's you take half the ownership of this project, the failure and success on you also, I'll do whatever you say. And then people run. <laughs> I thought that was incredible. For anyone trying to get into marketing, into Israeli high-tech industry, but in marketing or they want to switch into marketing, there's really a lot of value in listening to Strike Gold because of these interviews. It really helps you also to think like a marketer. If you're going to an interview and you need to have a discussion with uh, the one who is interviewing you, the hiring manager, it's really cool to be able to use these words to understand how a marketer thinks. So I would really recommend as a, as a, if you if you want to study to get into a marketing job without prior marketing experience, you should go and listen to a few of Jonathan's episodes in Strike Gold. So two recommendations for everyone listening to this episode. Thank you. Absolutely. No, there are. There really are incredible people. Incredible stuff there. There is a lot I of amazing one... content. And a lot of those things I, I still carry. Yeah, I think that that's, that's the beauty of it. Uh, when you interview some, someone, you you take what you learn from the guest uh, with you. So that's uh, the beauty also of the, having a podcast. Yeah, by the way, guys, that's just so you understand everyone. What he's saying is that slowly but surely he's he's stealing our thoughts. The people who are interviewed, he's taken them. He's becoming stronger as we become weaker. Run! Sorry. Um, no, but that really is, that, I'm not going to lie, there's definitely a benefit of doing these things just to be able to tap into the brain, the brain and mindset of other people. Uh, we even had Magali at the, at the, at the, on the podcast at one point, which was very, very nice. Um, and it's, it's amazing to, to kind of like hear the different, uh, the different stuff. So leading to, to what you said. Yeah, it was very nice. It was a very nice experience. Leading to what you said, and I don't want, to, don't want to feel exposed now, but my next question was going to be for you. So I get something from you. How do you become a creative person? How do you train the creative muscle? This is what I'm extracting from you. This wow. is what I will I, keep from with, so for you from I'll you give with it me. To you. I I I recently okay, so this is really cool. Um a lot of the stuff that I've done till today, I do naturally. I didn't uh read uh I learned from from watching and listening and everything, but a lot of the stuff I, I naturally understand that this makes sense to do or this is how to do something. And recently I did two, uh, well, actually I did three at this point, three different lectures, uh, for companies. I've never done lectures before, but someone approached me and said, Hey, uh, I heard you could do a lecture. And they asked me if I would do a lecture on storytelling. And I did one on storytelling. They said, wow, the lecture was incredible. All of our people wrote amazing reviews about it. And I was like, that's awesome. Like this is my first lecture. The second lecture was exactly on the topic you're talking about now. Uh, I did a lecture for Payoneer, which was about, um, how to be more creative faster. Um, and we kind of went into all the different discussions of creative processes uh, that are used right now to do, uh, to come up with all kinds of amazing concepts. Um, and I'll give you, I'll give you the most important part that I learned as a child that really made me the person I am. Um, and I've been defined by by different companies and different people. You can look at my recommendations on LinkedIn. I've been defined as like a creative ball of energy. Um, so I'll give you to you. Ready? When I was a kid, my dad used to ask us uh, when we'd sit in the car. Like I'll give you a scenario. We're sitting in the car. We're listening to some. Uh, we're, my dad's on the phone on the car phone, um, and he's put on hold, and there's music playing, and my dad would say to us. Guys, 
What do you feel when you listen to this music? I say, uh, I feel like things are moving fast, like uh, people running around, like all these different feelings and things that I felt, right? Anxious, that, that, that things are happening, that things are like, there's movement, right? And my dad would say, okay, great. What made you feel that way? And then I'd say, okay, so uh, the music on the, on the call was, was fast violins. I spoke like that when I was a kid. A lot of, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I said the music on the call was, was fast violins, played very fast. And then he said, why would they do that? And I, I took a guess. I said, maybe because they want us to think that they're working. And my dad would say, great. And he would go and do that throughout our lives several times. And that process, um, I, think, I think there's definitely the level of creativity is connected to intelligence. Um, the more intelligent you are, the more uh, you have to play with when you're coming down to your creative thoughts. Um, I'll even tell you an interesting thing about intelligence after. But what I learned from that, it, it's, not about, it's not about knowing things. It's about understanding things. Okay. And once you understand things, you understand what the impact is. And once you understand the impact, you can really play around with these, these things to create new things. Okay? So I think that first you need to understand what's around you. Right? Like think about it. Create, creativity is about creating new things or, or combining things in a way that weren't done before. Right? If you start to recognize the things around you for what they really are, they become more tools or more toys or more pieces that you can connect together to create new things. All you have to do is the next time you're sitting and you're feeling something is ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling it? And how can I reproduce that? Like, or why, why is that important for me to feel that? And then you're able to take that and create all kinds of different things that, that make people feel things and do things that you want them to do which is kind of the evil side of marketing in some way. But generally, you're, you can get people to do what you want, which is really cool. Um, all using creativity and really understanding what's around you. Does that help? And if you would have to recommend, uh, just for the people that are starting to get into their creative process and stuff, is there any book, any movie, any whatever piece of culture that uh, basically sparks creativity in you every time you read it or you see it there i wouldn't say it sparks creativity there's a book that i was given i don't read a lot i'm dyslectic and by the way dyslexia um is probably one of the reasons it's one of my superpower reasons of why i'm more creative than other people see and it's not nice to say that in some way but i am so i'm just gonna be cocky about it um i yes, am i have a beyond normal memory I've been tested and I have a beyond normal memory. I can remember my second birthday. I can remember all kinds of crazy things, word for word, things and things like exactly what I wore, all kinds of weird things like that. And being a dyslectic for a long time, I had to trick people into not understanding that I was dyslectic. So I would memorize books that people read in class and then read at home so that my dad would think I was reading or whatever I was doing. I would always have to find interesting solutions so that people wouldn't know that I'm not like everyone else. That made me a fast problem solver. So I ended up having memory and problem solving down pat. And with those two things, if you kind of, being a problem solver is taking several different things and putting them together to give you some sort of a new solution. That is in some way where creativity stems. It really, it's about, you know, 
finding solutions, finding actions or things that you can do to create something new that will allow you to, you know, attaching new ideas. Um, and having this huge amount of memory space in my back of my head means that I get inspired by everything. I mean, everything, every conversation, mm-hmm. every movie, every picture, everything that I, I possibly see, it all goes into the memory bank. But, uh, my dad bought me a book. And as I said, dyslectic, I don't really read a lot of books. Uh, he bought me a book when I was a kid. Perfect book for dyslexics. It's called, um, it's not how good you are. It's how good you want to be. Um, it was made by, uh, someone very famous from advertising industry. I don't remember his name right now. Again, for someone with a great memory, that's like names I fuck up. Uh, but, um, incredible book, uh, written beautifully, pictures done beautifully. Everything's done where there's small amounts of text, but there's, it's done in a very smart way so that you feel what you're meant to feel from each page. It was one of the books that I think stuck with me throughout all of the time. Um, it also taught me that there's no re- no reason to hide your ideas from people, right? When you're when you're creative, you think that's my value. I'm a creative, and my ideas are my are my cash. That that's what I have to pay with. And if I give them away for free, then I won't have money, right? Um, but in that book, they made it very clear. They said, no, ideas are not for you. Ideas, go- you just let your ideas out. And if you hold on to an idea, it actually is kind of like poison because then you can't move past it. You're just stuck on that idea. So I've been giving ideas out to people for years. Like it's even one of my biggest like faults in business wise is that I can't hold back. I never do a meeting that, uh, never do a meeting that, what's it called? That's like free because I know within that meeting, I'm going to give them so much value because I'm just going to say everything. I'm not going to hold any of the ideas back. I'm going to give them everything. Um, I don't, again, uh, inspiration you get from everywhere. Literally, I I think, I don't know if you saw this, uh, Kevin, but, uh, I did a, I helped give an idea. This, I was literally brought into Mindspace to give an idea for their video campaign for Women's Day. The, the concept of the idea came from a small, teeny tiny conversation my brother was having with my wife, uh, where she was talking about how much she loves her boss and how great it was and how awesome she is. And, and she didn't say she, she just said my boss, my boss, my boss, my boss. And she said, and then my boss went to maternity leave. And my brother's mind looked like it exploded. He was like, your boss went to maternity leave? What? And then she goes, uh, my boss is a woman. And he was like, oh my God, I don't know why I associated with, with men, boss and man. I associated it with, I'm so sorry, right? That small fraction of a moment. Uh, inspired me to to take that and and say, hey, you know, my brother's not sexist. He's just was raised in a culture where boss means man, and and it's something that we're trying to change, and everyone's trying to change it. So when I came to that project, I said to them, guys, I think that this would happen to anyone. And I asked a riddle in the room. I said to them, I'm going to ask you a riddle, and I asked a riddle, and everyone failed the riddle. Everyone failed the riddle. They all thought the the woman the person in power was not a woman they thought it was a man they couldn't imagine it was a woman and they all felt like crap and i said that's what i think we should do with our campaign but again remember a tiny small teeny tiny conversation they had a corner a corner of the house like it wasn't like they in the middle of everyone just on the side and that triggered uh an amazing campaign also by the way best piece of a tip of advice i can give you about creativity um don't be afraid to sound stupid Stupid, in most cases, is just things that 
the people can't comprehend yet, right? If I told you that I was going to make rockets that could fly into the sky and not blow up and then land back down, you might say, ah, good luck. This freaking NASA over there hasn't done it. But then you see nowadays that that is possible, right? So I think that when you're in a creative situation, try to make sure that you're in a place where you can say something stupid. I like to start off any meeting that I have with people talking about something stupid. I'll walk into any meeting. doesn't matter who you are, billionaire. You could be the freaking Bill Gates. I don't care. I'll walk in and I'll start with my first sentence being, wow, you wouldn't believe I fell off my bike on the way here. And I like just hit my nuts into a tree or something like that. Like some crazy thing. And they'll go, uh, okay. Like they never met me. I haven't even said, hi, my name is Jonathan. I'll just start from that. And the reason why is because I think it breaks down some walls of that. I need to be the rich, powerful person in this meeting. And da, da, da. No, you're just like me. We're human beings. We fall. We do stupid shit. And it's cool. And once I'm in that situation, I feel a lot more comfortable. They feel more comfortable. And we can talk like real people and not be afraid of judgment. You ever notice how people, when they're high, they usually say they, they think they have great ideas. Right? Or they do have great ideas. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes some good ideas came. It's because you break down those barriers. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just break down those barriers of, I have to be this. I have to look like this. I have to stand like this. And now you can just be yourself. That would be another good tip for for that. And I also want to say something. And this is, I'm not sure if you were going to get to this or not, Kevin. And I'm not sure how much time we have left. Kevin, I can't see you. So if, if you're doing like this, then... Anyways, um, <laughs> but... Um, but uh, I wanted to mention something that was important. As I said, I'm dyslectic. And I mentioned this a little bit before. I I cannot read. Uh, it, actually, this is one of those moments where you realize as an adult that your parents are assholes. I was sent two years before I moved from America. They sent me to learn English in an incredible school with eight kids in a class and two teachers and one small room and another room so that you could split. And when the kids were good, you know where we got to go? Hagendas. That's how cool this school was. It was super rich people's school. And they took me and they taught using the, the fact that I can memorize things very well. They helped me memorize all the words in English. They broke down the words and they used flashcards and they flashcards in front of me to help me learn English. After two years, at, at the age of 12, from 10, I didn't know how to read. At 10, at the age of 12, I could read and write in English. What did my parents do? Moved us to Israel. Um, so then when I came to Israel, I got nothing. English doesn't help me at all. Parents are complete assholes. Um, until today, I, I, you know, even in school and everything, never found a process that they were going to duplicate that with me in any way. And till today, I can't read and write Hebrew. Um, I think me and my daughter, she's in first grade, are the same level in writing in Hebrew. You know what? I'm a little better than her. Yeah, I'm better than her. Just a little bit, though. Um, I won't tell it to her face, but I will tease her about it later. Um, so... You know, thinking that you come to a country, new language, new thing, and you can't succeed is baloney. That's also extremely important for your listeners, I think, to hear is that it's complete and utter baloney. You can have help. I also I had an amazing friend from Bolivia. Um, she was like, I consider her a sister. She's still a sister to me. She lives in Mexico right now. Um, and we helped her with whatever we had to do government wise, any doc documentation. And when I say we, I just mean I slid it to my wife and said, can you help her? Um, or my friends at work, I'd say, hey, guys, come on, it's Leah, come on, she needs your help. Um, and we got things done like that, but for the most part with work stuff, 
uh, Israeli companies mostly target the U.S. and Europe and stuff like that, so they're working in English. You have a massive benefit the fact that you know a language, and if you're not, if you're another, if you're localized and you know another language that they, that you do, that's a benefit. Don't let people feel like you're. Don't let people make you feel that it's not a benefit. It is definitely a benefit. Every Israeli kid in school wishes he knew more languages, right? You got it. Don't let him feel. Don't put yourself in these call centers and stuff like that, feeling, oh, I have to be in this position because I only know another. No, baloney. You have other talents. You're not born with the talent. I can speak a different language. You got other talents. You know how to do marketing. You know how to do sales. You know how to do well. Maybe sales puts you back in that phone call thing. But maybe you know how to do other things, right? Maybe finance. Go push it forward. Don't uh, get stuck with, oh, I know how to do one language. Maybe that's your, you know what, I'll give you a pass. As your first job in Israel, you can take that one. But after that, keep moving. You're way better than just one language, you know? Uh, okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for all this amazing advice that you provided us and our listeners. But I think that me personally, I learned a lot uh, just by listening to you. I think you're so talented. And, and as I said previously, I was... Uh, You know, very privileged to work with you, and I, and I really, really enjoyed it. So I'm very happy uh, that you are with us tonight. And I have two final questions to ask you uh, that we ask to every single guest on the show. Uh, first of all, once again, uh, the majority of our listeners are not from Israel, and they're probably learning Hebrew. Uh, so first of all, what is your favorite Hebrew word and why? Uh, and second of all, Uh, as the name claims, what is your favorite hummus place? Okay. So my favorite Hebrew word is, uh, and this is really stupid. I mean, don't judge me. I mean, judge me on everything else I said, not this. Um, okay. Lelouch. Okay. It, it means... Okay. Can you translate you, and it's say like why? It's like you take a, a, a rolling pin and you roll bread. You work... Knead. Kneading the bread. Kneading dough. Sorry. Kneading dough. That's what it is. Kneading, right, is Lelouch. And Lelouch sounds so nice. My daughter would, would, would jump on my back when I was lying down on, like, the couch or whatever. And she'd take a stick... Because again, in Ghan, that's what they do with Play-Doh. They just roll out the Play-Doh. So that she, she would take a stick and she'd roll it on my back. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm, I'm Lelouch. Lelouch. Like, she's like rolling me out like dough. And I was like, Lelouch. I love that word. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Did anyone else say Lelouch? Um, no, you're definitely very, very creative. I just as, like that as, word, you know, Lelouch. Where did expected. they come up with that? By the way, I'm, I'm really good friends with the people who created. Actually, you know, you know Justin. Do you remember Justin Jacobs? Yeah. So he he was he's was married to uh, a, a young lady named Tali. She's like the great granddaughter of of Ben Yehuda, the one who made the Hebrew language. So so just like wow. funny enough, like literally, they're friends of the family, people who made Hebrew. Uh, and I'm, I, I always think to myself, where did they come up with Lelouch? Lelouch. What a great, luxurious word for bread. <laughs> hey, I'm going to Lelouch at the, at the, the thing. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, and my favorite hummus place. Holy crap. Uh, you know, when you have like, there's, what's his name? You know, Abu Hassan. 
So Abu Hassan is fantastic. I love yeah. Abu Hassan. But I think that, like, at some place, your hummus place becomes more of, like, the memories you have there. And not as much the flavor of the hummus. Because I've tasted a lot of hummus and people are like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm like, oh, there's no salt in this thing. It's disgusting. Um, uh, I remember, like, the best hummus place that I, like, with the, all the most memories is uh, Hummus Ben Sirah in Jerusalem. Now, I don't know if you guys know that one, though. Okay. It's a, it's a no. really, really cute place. So Ben Sirah in Jerusalem? Yeah, it's a really cute place. You go in, ask for the hummus with basal, and ask them for, like, schug. And just drop that whole schug in there. Again, remember for half Yemenite. And you just mix that in there and eat it like... I don't even use a pita or anything. And by the way, I don't know what your beliefs are on eating the onion. But it's a magical experience. And I've even convinced my nine-year-old son to eat it with the hummus. And it is... It's incredible. Okay? So don't put down the onion. You're looking there and thinking, wait, why are they putting parts of the food that they haven't made yet? No, it's edible. You just... Okay, cool. (laughs) Deep right in it. Cool. Is that good? (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Shantan, for for coming here, for all the wisdom that you shared with us, for every experience that you told us. Um, We've learned a lot from you, and uh, we hope our listeners also uh, learn a lot. Um, And that's it. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to... to subscribe to our podcast in Apple Podcasts, in Spotify, give us a five-star review, follow us on Instagram and all the things, do them. Um, and really wait, go wait, and check. There's no free hummus with this? I don't get free hummus with this interview? Actually, there actually be there is. There's hummus on the way, right? There's hummus on the... Wall, you're walking me hummus now? Yeah, actually, there is. That's why we... Ne- Actually, there right. Is. That's all. I just want to make sure because I heard tech, <laughs> and as I mentioned, the setup here is complete tech. I got a mic. I got cables coming out of my computer, like from. But no hummus. No hummus. <laughs> hummus is on the way. Don't worry. Well, well that's on <laughs> us. That's on us. Um, but yeah. Uh, well, once again, um, thank, thank you, you so much to everyone listening. Thank you for listening to this episode, and uh, well. See you next time. And once again, thank you, Jonathan Khan. You can follow him on social media. He's very active on LinkedIn as well. And he shares a lot of his wisdom and knowledge there as well. So please uh, give him a follow. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys.